okay, so the first one was like get out of debt. And here, here's the thing. It really came down to setting a budget and a vision. So we said, okay, we want enough money to cover our overhead. So like step one was figure out how much is your overhead per month? Like, what does that actually look like? Like, so write everything down. So have massive, massive clarity on what is exactly that number. Like, what does it really take to live how, how we want to live? So once we found that number and most people, you know, with more, the more and more money they make, their lifestyle just begins to increase and increase and increase. And mm-hmm. I know this is kind of how we started chatting about this. Cause I was in a clubhouse room the other day with someone that makes a lot of money in commission, probably close to a million dollars a year in commission. And they were saying how, how they're constantly afraid of losing everything. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's because they don't have assets that are producing the same level that they're spending. They have a job that's giving them that money. So anyways, okay, so the first step was that, just figuring out that number. And I think for us at the time, that number was around $85,000 a year. So not super high, but I mean... You know, I was only making thirty grand, and Ugo, I don't remember how much he was making. I mean, we were not doing well financially at that time, and it took sacrifices. Like, we still have pocket money, and I think that that's where it really began is just putting in some boundaries and creating okay, a wait. map. Yeah, not everyone knows what pocket money is, so tell them what pocket money is because I love this. Okay, so. Um, it's actually kind of hilarious. So we learned it from the Dave Ramsey thing, financial peace university. And it's like, okay, we have, when you're married or even when you're single, you can kind of get on each other's nerves. Like, oh, well, why are you spending that on? I don't know. Ugo likes to buy like mountain bikes and I like to buy like handbags or like, you know, a fancy spa day or something like that. Well, we created a budget that was a monthly set dollar amount that went, I think this is the key part that most people don't do. They think, oh yeah, yeah, I have that. I have that. I have that. And I always like in my coaching calls, I'm like, is it a separate account? Do you have a separate debit debit card for that account? Not like 99 times out of a hundred, you know, they're like, no, I don't. I'm like, well, then you really don't have shit. So sorry if your kids are listening, but so we have a separate account. So every month from the money that comes in, it gets divided into these different accounts, one of which is pocket money. And that is basically our allowance and we can spend it on anything we want. So, you know, mine can go to spa or handbags. Ugo, Ugo's been buying like RC cars right now. He's like super into it with Tino and, or you can save it up. You can spend it all every month. Um, and we started with no joke, $80 a month. That was it. Mm-hmm. And can I tell you how much it is now? Because it like makes me so excited. Yeah. My pocket money now, and I could probably negotiate for more with my with my banker, also known as my husband. But but we have goals and and things. So I I I'm like, no, do I really need more pocket money? No, one thousand. So over like eight years, it went from eighty dollars a month to one thousand dollars a month. Yeah, Same. whatever you want with it. Yeah. And it doesn't create arguments or whatever. So then where does that money go? Because don't you have it in like on a special card or something? Yeah. goes to a completely separate uh, bank account. So it's on, it's tied to a debit with, card. Um, I've been with you before. I don't remember where we were. Oh my gosh. And you're like, oh, I hope my card's not declined. And <laughs> for 
like pocket money cards. And I just think it's so funny. You're like, well, let me see if I have enough money for this. Let me just see if it runs through. <laughs> and like, I'm standing there like, you're just going to wait to see if your card gets declined and that'll be your answer whether you can purchase this or not. I think it's awesome. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like so funny. You know, and the whole time when like I was selling real estate actively and things like people from our team and stuff would be like, well, you know, you have a big deal closing. Like, what are you going to spend your commission on and stuff? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, my pocket money does not change. Like, at that point, it was $80 a month, you know, when I was also selling. And, like, I don't – like, nothing. Like – Yeah. Yeah. But then it slowly increased as we started to reach more and more of our investment financial goals. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, number one was set a budget and get clear on your vision. Mm-hmm. that includes this little pocket money, um, suggestion. So then what, what after that, what would be like a step number two? Follow it, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say like stick That's to it. That's where the work is. Yeah. Stick to it and have separate accounts. So as a goal, this is what our goal was. We were hoping to, I mean, our intention, and I think we stuck to it actually pretty well, was 40% of our income went to an investment savings account. It literally is just a savings account that we just titled investments. So once we had enough money in there, then we could deploy that or spend it on an asset. So it was like whatever we were making at the time and, um, you know, obviously like I didn't stay at 30,000 for, for very long. That was maybe a six month thing. And then it went to 50 grand and then I started selling real estate. So I was making money through commission sales. But so as my income was increasing, um, you know, we just said 40% of our income is going to go to the savings account and the rest is we can divvy it up on our pocket money, on our household stuff or, whatever. I mean, I think so, so much of the key is keep your overhead low. Like when you're wealth building, mm-hmm. I have this just wonderful gal that is uh, a client of mine and, you know, she was talking to me and I mean, I've been through the same, same kind of like mental gymnastics myself is like, you want so many things like all at once. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. Like I want the investment now and the vacation now and the whatever new car now, like want it all now. And mm-hmm. she, we were coaching and, and she gave me her 2021 kind of like list of things she wanted to buy and spend money on. And, and I said, okay, so where's the priority? Like, tell me which one is number one it must happen. And then number two and then number three. And it's funny because even just asking that simple question, her list actually changed completely. Yeah. Because we can talk all day long about, yeah, my priority is wealth building. My priority is creating passive income. But sometimes, you know, when we're in the store, when we're, you know, looking at magazines, when we're talking to friends, when we're scrolling on Instagram, we can get a little bit we can become blind to our priorities and now we have this bright, shiny new car, vacation, whatever, right in front of us. And we're like, Oh, it's not a big deal. Yeah. I deserve that. I'll buy it. And then another year goes by and you didn't do any investing. 
Yeah. And it's gotta be an intentional thing. I mean, people are just not, if you're not putting any focus or time into it, then it's not going to happen. It's not an automatic thing. No, it's not. So it's gotta be a conscious decision that this is what you want to do with your money. Yeah. And you know, it doesn't matter how much money you make at the end of the day. I think one of my biggest, I had, I was really fortunate. I just kind of was like in the right rooms, if you will, that kind of led me in this direction. Well, I'll never forget this. I don't know if I ever told you the story, but I had a, I was meeting with a buyer. Okay. And he wanted to buy a building for, this is so interesting. He, his heart was in the yeah, right place. Yeah. You told me the story before. This is great. Yes. Okay. He wanted to buy this building for a nonprofit. He was actually going to be their sponsor or whatever. And he, we were writing up the offer and he, I said, I said, we need, you know, maybe $3,000 earnest money. And he said, well, when it, like he acted really nervous and he said, well, when is the check going to cash? When is it going to go through? Like, and I'm like, does this dude like not have money? And because he had shown me his tax returns, he was a psychologist, maybe psychiatrist, one of those. And he made, and at that time, guys, I was thinking I was making like 85 or $90,000 a year. And here I am like seeing somebody's tax return, like my parents didn't really tell me how much money they made growing up or anything like that. So I didn't know. But so I'm like seeing a live human being in the flesh that I know made last year $600,000. And he's nervous and worried about a $3,000 check. Yeah. I was blown away. I remember telling my mom, I was like, is this normal? Like, I mean, 600. I couldn't even imagine having six hundred thousand dollars or making that in a year at that point, and and it ended. He never ended up buying the building. He was just he didn't have enough money, cash. Isn't that yep. interesting? Even though he yeah. made a lot, so that's why like making money uh, doesn't excite me <laughs> uh, at all. Like it doesn't excite me, doesn't impress me, doesn't do jack for me. Really talking to someone about okay, what assets do you own? Like where, where have, how have you really stewarded your wealth? Like that is intriguing to me because it really shows a lot about someone's character. Like, are they, like, are they able to hold back some of that, like urgent desire? Like, are they full of wisdom or, you know, do they make rash decisions? I just think it tells you so much about someone. Well, and much of it is, People don't know. We're not taught this. Yeah, true. True. Look at like high school, college classes. Like we're not taught any of this. It's just amazing. And I think this this whole past year, 12 months of all of our lives have really brought us to this space of, whoa, tomorrow's not guaranteed. Your job tomorrow is not guaranteed. So we need to like really not only shift our thinking, shift our actions for for preparing for that level of uncertainty yeah and the funny thing is it's always been like that I mean I think it's always been that uncertain but yeah this year really brought it to to light and yeah you know I mean I'll be honest with you when I shifted our whole business from commission sales to a, a business that provide like that we have ongoing clients and contracts and things like that on the property management side because when my mom stepped away, 70% of the income of that business was directly related to sales. 
right? Like transactional-based selling. Great, super lucrative, right? Like you could make, you know, 50, 60, $100,000 on one transaction. But, you know, if you don't have like a huge pipeline, you might just only do four or five of those a year and, you know, make $500,000. But then next Mm -hmm. year you wake up and you're unemployed basically again. Yeah. So that's why real estate can be so stressful too, because you're constantly looking for your next paycheck. hundred percent. And I think as real estate agents or entrepreneurs or any, anyone that has the ability to create their own income or has chosen to take on that risk, it's like you owe it to yourself to keep your lifestyle, your overhead low so that you can create some cash flowing assets so that you don't have that insane amount of pressure mm-hmm. every single day of where's my next sale going to come from and then how cool would it be that every one of your sales just becomes money that you could give away money that you could spend on a you know lavish vacation or whatever whatever your values and and whatever your really desires are like that becomes your extra money but you've created this other funnel for income and yeah it's just it's amazing and my parents Britt they told me I was crazy they were like you're quitting brokerage why are you doing that they're like you're leaving my mom especially she's like I would have killed for to be producing in a market like what you're experiencing why are you doing that you're leaving so much money on the table Mm -hmm. like she was legitimately like upset I'm not not kidding you like we we had many phone calls where she's just like, I don't understand. I'm like, because I actually, I'm not, I'm not in it for the, for the quick hit. Like I just, I want to create a machine to where I'm not worried about my overhead. Like, I just want to know that every year I have a business, cash flowing assets, blah, 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 that are giving me my like little nut and it's covered. And anything else I want to do over and above that is, you know, just, I can spend it wherever, you know, Ugo and I, we can do more investments. We could go on a vacation. We could donate it. Um, I mean, I mean that it's really become, and now she's like, you were right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's total shift in thinking. It really is. And also realize that there are people that will put money in with you. So that has been a big learning lesson for me is just, there are people with, there's a lot more people with money than I guess we realize, and they're looking for places to put their money. So if you see an opportunity uh, and you know whether it's a house that you could flip, whether it's, you know, I mean, development, <laughs> I like look back, I'm like, who is this girl that thinks she could do a development? She never did one before. That was me. Um, <laughs> whether it's a development you want to take on and be crazy like me, I don't know. Um, you know, there's investors and there's people with money. So you can say, people don't know this. People literally do not know this. And I want to scream this from the rooftops, especially for women, because um, men talk about investing all the time. Like it's like a man's like topic. And I think we need to change that. And we are changing that by this conversation, but get this, this is standard. Okay. And what I'm about to tell y'all is like normal, standard, not weird, not not greedy, not out of the norm. This is the norm. So I had the opportunity and I learned this from watching. So 
So I had the opportunity to, we had a piece of land that we had listed for sale. This gentleman comes, he calls and he's like, I'm interested. I want to put it under contract. I start to kind of vet him out, right? Like, Oh, tell me about what you do. Oh, I'm a developer. And a developer is just like a fancy name for like, I am a wheeler dealer and I make shit happen. Like it's not something super, anyone can be a developer. So I'm like, oh, okay, um, well, tell me more. Have you done any developments in this area? No. Uh, who are your investors? Well, guess what? I learn that he doesn't have any investors. So he ties up this land, okay, with no investors. I think he put, I can't remember how much money he put down on it um, at the time, but whatever. He didn't have the money to buy it at the time. What he was trying to do and what he ultimately did do was put it under contract and then he went out and created a package to say, okay, well, this land is zoned for houses. How many houses can we put on it? What could we sell it for? How much would the construction cost be? Like he put together a business plan, if you will, and then went out and sold that business plan like to different people that have money, builders, investor, real estate investors, uh, contractors, different people who are in the business. But guess what his split is just for doing that. And in this, like I said, again, this is standard 50, 50. So this on the profit, right? On the profit. Yeah. Standard. So when they sell that, let's say there's a hundred thousand dollar profit. 50, 50. Yeah. 50, 50. And he didn't put any money in. He just found the deal. And people don't know this. People don't know this. And I didn't know it. I mean, I remember telling my mom because she was involved in that transaction with me. And I was like, I was like, so let me get this straight. This dude has no money. <laughs> he just is going to put this deal under contract and he's going to go out and basically have a business plan and he's going to go and sell this idea. It's not even like an actual thing yet. It's a piece of dirt to other investors and then they're going to say oh yeah thanks for bringing this to me and doing all the work like of course the person that brings the deal has to do all the work as in like you know get the bids and go to the city and get the zoning correct and all of that and it's just a process and you can hire a consultant for that or whatever but uh and, and then they're just going to give them 50% of the profit when they put in you know let's say a million and a half dollars and he put in zero dollars she's like oh yeah, yeah that's how it works I was like, so for him to tie up the property, though, what did he have to put down as earnest money? Oh, I think it was like $7,000. Like nothing. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 And then that gave him time, right? Of course he didn't like, I mean, I'm not going to like, not going to like fluff it up so much. He didn't disclose like to the, I mean, I figured this out as it was going on. Let me just be clear about that. He didn't like tell me right away. He's like, yeah, I have some investors and we're, we'll put this together. Like he was a great, you know, BSer. But, you know, of course he didn't tell that to the eight, the, uh, you know, the seller or whatever. Oh, I don't actually have the money. You know what I mean? Well, in this, that's like a large scale example. This happens with investors on single family homes. So real estate agents, will find a great investment deal, write a contract on it just to hold it up, and then they'll call their list of investors and find someone that will like basically assume the contract. Yeah, and 
It needs to be 50-50. Here, here's what I see so often is, I'm just going to like call it like it is, women, okay, haven't been taught or they don't think like this or whatever. So they just think they find a good deal and they call their investor and like, you should buy it, Mr. Investor, usually a mister. And the Mr. Investor's like, pat you on the head. Oh, thanks. Here's your 3% commission. Thanks. Have a great day. But that's actually not how, um, like (laughs) the boys would have done it. So I think to myself all the time, like, how would a man (laughs) handle this? Like I ask myself that question all the time because it's just, I have to get out of my own paradigm sometimes. The boy, man, dude would say like, hey, Mr. Investor, I found this. You want to go 50-50? We can create our own LLC. I will manage the, uh, you know, I'll get some contractors. I'll manage the flip. We'll turn around and sell it. I'll throw my commission in at the end. Uh, you know, basically sell it for free and then we'll go 50-50 on the profit. How's that sound? I'll do all the work. All I need is your signature and your money to to buy it. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Bye. You know, I just, yeah, there's there's a lot of people that would do that. I just want to elevate the conversation because, and, and help people see that, that this is normal. Like I think a lot of what held me back, uh, in my own mind is I'm like, am I, is this, am I being too aggressive? Like, am I out of line? Am I, but I think a lot of that is just baggage from growing up as a woman. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I think there's plenty of men that have the same insecurities too. So it just depends Mm -hmm. on like what you were raised around. Yeah. So I appreciate you all. Have a great day. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. Well, we'll do it again sometime. Okay. All right. Bye guys. Bye.